I'll take it there, Doodle. Happy Friday, one and all. Mark Aram, very happy to close out the work week with you. Listening to us, the bananas here on 95.5 WSB, Atlanta's News and Talk. Gonna have a fun show. We got that uh, new game, Never Have I Ever, with Russ in Gainesville. Bad news for the beer drinkers out there. There's a beer can shortage. But I want to start off the show with uh, a COVID story. You know, obviously, this is uh, the pandemic, a big national and international story, but huge locally as well. And as we ramp up to back to school, I think the biggest part of the COVID story might be what is going to happen when the school bell rings or doesn't ring this fall. Cobb County Schools in particular, uh, covering that story for us, is Chris Jose from Channel 2 Action News. Chris, happy Friday. How are you, my friend? Doing well, doing well. You know, it's been busy covering a lot of these school reopening plans, but, you know, it's the big story right now here in Cobb County. My fiancé is a, a school teacher in DeKalb County, and uh, so I'm, I'm well-versed in what's going on metro-wide with the school system. In a normal year, she would go back to school on Monday with pre-planning, but obviously DeKalb has pushed things back. Gwinnett's pushed things back. Fulton County. Where do we stand with Cobb County, and why was the Cobb County School District in the news today? Well, uh, let's start from the very beginning. Uh, the school district, Cod County School District, they're supposed to start school August 17th, and they went 100% virtual. That's when Superintendent Chris Ragsdale made this decision. And, of course, that fired up a lot of parents. So you fast forward to today, and now more than 6,100 people have signed a petition urging the school district, urging Superintendent Ragsdale to consider that face-to-face option for in-person learning a lot of parents really trying to get this thing overturned, Mark. And uh, this online petition, uh, I was I was going over your, your notes from uh, your report on Channel 2 Action News at 5. Uh, the petition, uh, the guy that started the petition or the main person that is pushing the petition has said he is willing to sign what's being called a death waiver. What What's a death waiver and what is that angle of the story? Well, really, it's a, it's a health waiver. So essentially... You, if you decide to send your kid to school, this is the proposal. If you decide to send your kid to school, and if your child or let's say you or your family member uh, gets COVID-19 and you get sick or you're disabled or you die from COVID-19, you cannot sue the school district. So really, a lot of these parents will do anything right now to get their kid back into the classroom. They've cited George Esteves' uh, interview with the CDC director from the other day. CDC director, obviously in favor of reopening schools safely, and that's the big push right now from these parents. Chris Jose from Channel 2 Action News joining us on the Mark Aram Show. Uh, can it be done safely? I know the Cobb Board of Education saying they're following, uh, in a statement they released, they are following the local health guidance, and they say it, it really isn't safe yet. Cobb County is kind of a hotspot when it comes to COVID. Yeah, that's what uh, the school district told us this afternoon. In fact, just a few hours ago, that came from a district spokesperson. But look, I looked at the numbers as well on the Cobb Douglas Public Health website, and that's ran by uh, Dr. Janet Meemark. She's the main doctor that uh, the school district has gone to for advice. Of course, they're also seeking help from from the state health department. But I'm just looking at the trend here. And as of July 15th, we're actually seeing a steep decline, believe it or not, in Cobb County. On July 15th, there were about 100, there was a 154 confirmed cases of COVID-19. And then you just go to yesterday, two, two confirmed cases of COVID-19 in Cobb County. Of course, those numbers can be skewed a little bit because that's just for the health department, folks getting tested at Jim Miller Park. So those numbers could be higher. But if you look on the website, as of right now, the trend is going down. Will this uh, online petition move the needle in any way? I mean, whose decision is it ultimately? Is it the school board, the superintendent? Who has final say uh, when it comes to how the schools reopen? Well, it's going to come down to the superintendent. It's been like that from the very beginning. Uh, There's been a lot of feathers ruffled here in Cobb County, so to speak. You know, a lot of the school board members at first were left out of the dark when it came to uh, the CARES Act money. So it seems like Ragsdale is getting it from all ends. It's certainly a tough decision either way you look at it. There's a, there's no uh, person out there that will say that, look, this was an easy call. It was a tough call, and it's going to come down to Superintendent Chris Ragsdale to overturn this. A lot of parents trying to put pressure on Ragsdale right now. In fact, there's going to be a protest on August 1st 
at the Cobb County Civic Center, hoping to draw more attention to face-to-face learning and why Cobb County should reopen schools. Channel 2's Chris Jose joining us on the Mark Aram Show. How much, Chris Jose, does uh, what Gwinnett County does or North Fulton County does, the suburbs, uh, impact the decision that Cobb County is going to make? You know what I'm saying? Like, can the superintendent point and say, well, Gwinnett County's doing this, so, you know, we can follow lockstep, or the city of Atlanta's doing this. Uh, is is there any of that, um, I don't want to say guidance, but, you know, like a fallback position say, hey, we're not the only ones doing this. Yeah, you know, they've been in close touch with each other. In fact, the AJC had a superintendent forum, I think, last week. So Ragsdale has been on the record uh, talking with other superintendents. So you know behind the scenes they're talking to each other. I just don't see Cobb County following what Fulton County is doing. A lot of what the parents are proposing here, it's an all-or-nothing approach. Like, they, they don't want to see that phase reopening plan. They're really in favor of, hey, let's have this face-to-face option and let's have that virtual option. For the folks that are uncomfortable sending their kids back to school, let them do virtual learning. But then, again, there's this big push right now. There's a lot of parents out there in Cobb County that want their kids back in the classroom learning from teachers for several reasons. I've seen a lot of the, the national polling on this, not so much local polling, but a majority of Americans say it's not safe to bring the kids back and open schools back. But those are, you know, those are polling of all Americans, not parents. I w- what do you think? Do you think a majority of parents want the kids to go back? Is, is that a safe assumption? I, right now, just from talking to people on the ground, it's 50-50. It really is, Mark. You hear it from both sides. You can hear, you see the comments on Twitter. Uh, but, you know, and it's a tough call. And these parents, and I'm just talking about our story today, these parents just want an option. They just want an option to send their kids back to school, and they cite several reasons why, uh, including you know, there's a lot of parents out there that can't afford to leave work. They, 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 want, they don't want to necessarily quit a job to teach their kid at home, their kindergartner at home. So there's many arguments on both sides, but at the end of the day, uh, whatever that choice is going to be, the school district needs to do it safely. So many factors in this story, and, and we've been talking about it, and I can't come up with an answer. You got the, you have to worry about the health of the staff at the school. You have to worry about the health of the kids, health of the kids' families uh, when they leave the school and go back home, and if they're taken care of by their parents or grandparents. you got to worry about kids that don't have access to online tools, parents that can't afford to stay home from work. It, there's just, I mean, it's just no simple solution. Uh, what's the timeline? Where, where do we stand now, and, and what... Uh, do we see going forward as far as Cobb County schools and, and their reopening plan? Well, as of right now, they're scheduled to reopen school 100% virtually on August 17th. Uh, there's the online portal right now. Folks are encouraged, parents are encouraged to register their kids online. Uh, and they're, all, they're actually going to be helping out these kids for uh, online resources. They can't guarantee every student is going to get an, uh, a technology device to do the online learning but they're trying to help these families as much as they can. Chris Jose from Channel 2 Action News. Great in-depth stuff, as always. Follow Chris on Twitter, at Chris Jose WSB. And you got a report coming up uh, at the bottom of the hour on Channel 2. So thanks for taking time out, buddy. Have a great weekend. You too, Mark. Take care, man. This is, uh, this is I mean, gosh. You don't have children, Deborah. I don't have children. Jason Byers got a dog. My, I have nieces and nephews. Yeah. I'm, I'm pretty involved in their lives. Yeah. yeah. There, this, I mean, to me, this, there's no good answer. There's nothing. The best thing I could think of, again, I don't have an answer for everything. Like to, like a one thing, oh, just do this. I think that you'll have to, you have to piecemeal this thing. And something I came up with, because I, I spend way too much time thinking about this for someone that doesn't have kids. Well, Maya's a teacher. Exactly. Kind of close to you. Exactly. Yeah. So if she goes back to school, Again, schools have been long been peach tree, peach tree, peach tree dishes. Yeah, peach tree, peach tree dishes, not, not peach, peach tree. tree dishes. Um, you know, every time I go to give a uh, a speech at a, an elementary school, I wind up coming up with a cold. So I'm worried that Maya will get sick. I'm worried that she'll bring home and get me sick. I mean, I, I, I really am involved in the story considering I don't have kids. Here's one way I think that some people can get around making a difficult decision. Harken back to yesteryear, and I wish Chuck was here because he could reflect on his Montana upbringing in the one-room schoolhouse. Do we see a return for some people to do the one-room schoolhouse thing, you know? Like, if you live in a neighborhood 
and there's there's a uh, a man or a woman that stays at home and doesn't have to go work can can you then have that person be the teacher for the neighborhood you know what i'm saying like and every little subdivision has yeah, one designated like just a one room schoolhouse school or if you get on what's that an app, an app next door or whatever yeah, that neighbors people, neighbors something yeah. like that you find someone maybe that is a retired teacher or someone that's a furlough teacher or has some sort of educational background and you just have like six or eight kids go to that person's house a la... I'm going to play that again. I like the Little House on the Prairie song. I guess the hard thing is, are these actual teachers? Are there some that use... How do you pay them? Is it individual? Does it go through the school system? Is it homeschooling? There's a lot of I don't of think it can go there. through the school system no, now. it's not going through the school system. Yeah, maybe, maybe you, you, you break off some ducats for them, some shekels. I, you, you can work that out. But if, if you have no option, uh, you have to go to work and you have no way for your to stay home with the kids, that's a difficult situation. So maybe we return to the one-room schoolhouse for a little bit and and little neighborhoods can find little just groups, little schools to teach things so the people that can't stay home can do it. Uh, I don't know. I'm just throwing it out there. This That's called spitballing. That's called spitballing, Cookie. Let's spitball together on a Friday. 404-872-0750. 1-800-WSB-TALK. Let's go way outside the box and try to come up with some sort of patch me, uh, patchwork solutions on how we can get our kids educated somehow this fall. Because right now, a lot of stuff up in the air. 404-872-0750. 1-800-WSB-TALK. On Twitter and Instagram, at Mark Aaron. We're going to have some fun on a Friday as well. The Mark Aram Show, 95.5 WSB. 639, 21 in front of a 7 o'clock. Mark Aram and the Bananas at your beck and call till 8 in the p.m. here on 95.5 WSB, Atlanta's News and Talk. 82 degrees on Peachtree Street. Pleasantly surprised when I uh, woke up from my slumber this afternoon. We're going to call it a 7 on the Mark Aram Show back sweat meter. I didn't even have to cool down my car before I got in it. Kind of overcast. Yeah, right? it was yeah. nice. Good job, Nitz. Very happy with today's weather. I, I literally, my back did not sweat that much as I was driving into work, so that's good. Coming up in exactly one hour, the game that is sweeping the nation, or at least parts of Hall County, never have I ever with Russ and Gainesville. We're going to talk about the beer can shortage going on, but the big local story to me as far as it relates to the pandemic and COVID-19 is what are we going to do in the fall when schools are scheduled to reopen. Uh, big brouhaha going up in Cobb County. We heard from Chris Jose from Channel 2 Action News covering that story. I, I think it's time we put our collective minds together and come up with solutions, plural, because I don't think there's just one way to do this. And my solution is you get on, I'm not on those apps, the neighborhood app or the whatever it is, and you just, you just create little one-room schoolhouses, basically, you find someone that can stay at home and, and help mentor the kids. They don't necessarily have to be a teacher. And and that way, you can go to work. Your kids can have some sort of hands-on learning experience. Because I don't think pushing everyone into the school right now is a, is a smart idea. Maybe the deeper we get and we start tamping down the pandemic. But right now, I think you're going to have to start virtually. And I think we need to come up with solutions. So whether it be a school a library or or Nancy down the street that takes six kids and just monitors the online learning. That's that's one of my solutions. I'd love to hear yours. 404-872-0750. My unabashed love of Little House on the Prairie has some reasoning behind my solution, by the way. I did love that show as a kid. Uh, Kim joins us in Marietta. Kim, welcome to the program. Hi, Mark. Great show. Thanks, Kim. Listen, um, what you're talking about is actually called an educational pod. We have several friends that are looking into it, and um, there have been a couple articles printed recently talking about concerns of who's going to run the pod and, you know, how they may be qualified. And it's a personal decision. You know, Mm -hmm. we have kids that need to go back. We have some parents and families that are clearly fearful and for obvious reasons don't want to go back. But we also have... um, we have a personal issue in that kids with special needs are being left in the dust. Ooh, I, yeah. And they really need face-to-face education, and we really have got to find an option for them. And so, uh, again, I hate to keep going back to my fiance, who's uh, she teaches English uh, for secondary, ESOL. used to yes. be ESL, but it's ESOL. And, like, th- that's a hands-on thing, right? There's, Absolutely. It's tough to do that virtually. So, yeah, special needs kids, of course. Um it, I, I, what I really feel for, too, again, there's there's just so many layers to this story, are the families that don't have 
laptops, desktops, and they their kids don't have the access to the online stuff. A lot of kids that uh, my taught they they were having to do all this on a smartphone, their mom's smartphone. There's one device in the house that can get onto the internet, and it's the mom's smartphone. What if the mom has to go to work? It's tough. It's tough. Oh, uh, bad news by the way. The Braves opening day today. They just lost one to nothing to the New York Mets up in Flushing, Queens. So hopefully get the bad juju out of the way and uh they'll win the rest of the games. They'll win the next 59 games straight. Greta is in Norcross. Greta, welcome to the Mark Aram show. Hey, thanks. Hey, for Greta. My call. Hey, um I have one major point. What's going on with all the property taxes we or regardless if we do or not have children which are collected and now we don't have any school uh, going on. That's a major question for a lot of the people. What's happening uh, to the tax dollars you're asking? Yes, we should get some um, reimbursement. Okay, well well here that's a tip that's a, uh, a slippery slope. So I'm gonna uh, thank you for the call Greta as a taxpayer that does not have kids I, I feel you. The, the teachers are still going to get paid, whether they're in school or they're teaching virtually. Now, they a lot of school systems are going to do furlough, like the teachers are not going to get paid some weeks. They're not getting their step advance uh, raises. Um, so there, there's still money that needs to be paid to the school. Now, you are going to save money if you're virtually. You're not running the AC at the schoolhouse, right? Um, the janitorial staff doesn't have to be there. Maybe some of that money gets relocated to laptops. Correct. School buses not running. I don't know what happens to the bus drivers. Like, I don't think they're going to get paid, which kind of stinks. Um, but we also have to think about, you know, we heard from Governor Kemp last time he was on the show, we're looking at a 13% budget shortfall. So there's going to be a 13% cut on the funding that goes to schools. So uh, I understand your concern, and I have it as well as a fellow taxpayer with no children, but there's still bills that need to be paid, whether you're in school or out of school. Robert's in Loganville. Robert, welcome to the show. Hey, how's it going? What up, brother? Hey, well, um, I was talking to my wife, and one thing that no one's looking at, movie theaters. It'll be a great setting. You can spread the kids out. It'll almost be like pre-college uh, you oh, know, like a lecture hall, um, lecture halls that um, that I went through when, um, you know, those uh, classes you take, they call them flunk out classes <laughs> when they put everybody, you know, yeah, 300 yeah, yeah. people in these big rooms. So I, I like that idea for a couple of reasons. One, you, you can properly social distance, right? Like if a 300 per- person see a theater and you've got 60 kids in there, there's plenty of social distancing. You've got visual aids. You've got the big screen. You got the snack bar, which can, you know, lure kids in. Be like, well, you got to go to school, but you can get the Raisinets or the the Junior Mints. Interesting. And theaters, right? They're not open yet. No, they the pushed their part. opening pushed day back. back again. All right. All right. Listen, we're doing this is good spitballing right here. 404-872-0750. More of your suggestions on how we get the kids back to school on Twitter and Instagram at Mark Aram. Atlantis News and Talk. That was some weird feedback. Did you folks uh, hear that in your cars? What the heck was going on? little Max Hedrum traffic report there. Mark Aaron with you till 8 in the p.m. Trying to figure out this whole school situation. What do we do with the kids in the fall? My suggestion, again, is we go back to that one-room schoolhouse kind of life with Little House on the Prairie and uh, just, you know, find someone that can monitor this digital learning. Because I don't think... All the kids are going back day one, uh, back into the school buildings. Bill joins us in Alpharetta. Bill, welcome to Mark Aram's Little House on the Prairie. How are you, sir? Purposes with the first thing is that um, if you don't have children, you don't have a dog in the hunt. I think it should be up to the parents to decide. And why can't they use the cafeterias or the auditoriums? You know, spread them out. You know, like they want social distancing and do that. I think it'd be better to, to, you know, social distancing instead of having 400 kids in one room. I would think it'd be better to have like 10 to 15 in a room and social distance yeah, that you way. Could, you could use the other the other areas, you know, break them out. Use the classroom still, but have the other areas too. You know? What about the For teachers? That. that Do they have a dog in this fight or no? I would say, yeah, but remember, they're paid to teach, you know. So, I mean, hey, it's. Paid to teach, not not paid to die, though. 
Not paid to die. That's a t- especially, you know, if you look at the, I don't know, Deborah Green can do this for me because she's awesome. The average age of a school teacher in the United States of America, or more specific, Georgia, I would think the average age is north of 50, which would mean there's a lot of at-risk folks that are going to be in those classrooms. Dave's in Snellville. Dave, welcome to the program. I appreciate that, Mark. How's it going today? Excellent. Happy Friday, sir. I appreciate that. Same to you. Uh, I'm old school. I graduated in 1972. I have grandkids in the school system, and we did not start school until the day after Labor Day. Yeah, me too. It was written in stone. Yeah. And I and the only reason is because the the teachers want the time off during the year. That's the only reason we start three or four weeks earlier than they should. I never understood. I'm the same way. We would go after Labor Day. Well, Labor Day or Memorial Day? I always get those Labor Day. Labor For Day. us, it was once harvest was around. <laughs> once harvest was around. Yeah, once you're it, done in the field, yeah. then you went back to school. I never, ever understood why why kids in, in Georgia are going back to school in July. It makes sense. to This year, at least, let's push it back. Maybe things will, will be settled down by Labor Day, and we can send the kids to school, and things there won't be a hot spot. Average, Average age. teacher age for Georgia is 42, and for the United States is 42 as well. Okay, interesting. So that's kind of, it's right there in the middle, yeah. right? Yeah, so half the, the teachers will be vulnerable, and half will not. The problem is the, the, the vulnerable teachers aren't the best at the digital learning, and the kids, uh, the, te- the younger teachers are great at digital learning. It might not be as sharp in the classroom. So it's a dichotomy there, Deborah Green. Big word. Uh, Carl's in Stockbridge. Carl, welcome to the Mark Aram Show. Hey, I'm glad to be on your show. Uh, Mark, I've got one for you that I think would, uh, would help a lot. Okay. And that is the digital age, okay? Mm-hmm. Not too many people are really up on it. We have, uh, I've been working with a guy that has uh, been talking to some television stations. And if we could get it to the television stations on the air, okay, mm-hmm. um, I think that would uh, that would get to the people who are going to be disenfranchised the most when it comes to this. And then all of the other ideas that you've got uh, wafting through here would come into play as well. But to get it out over the air would be tremendous. And uh, I think I think it would really solve a lot of problems. Interesting. All right. So I like no Deb shaking your head. You have no interaction. What if you have a question? Tough, tough potatoes. <laughs> uh, you can text the question to uh, whatever. All right. We're going to come back after news, weather, and traffic, plus a beer can shortage because of COVID. I'll tell you why. This is the Mark Aram Show on WSB. Jill- the Mark Aram Show is performed before a live studio audience. No. Welcome back to the show and a good Friday Eve to you. Mark Aram here, you there at 7.07, seven minutes after 7 o'clock. This is the Mark Aram Show, heard Monday through Friday, 6 to 8 p.m. on 95.5 WSB, Atlanta's News and Talk. Deborah Green produces the show. Cookie, Jason Byers on the other side of the takeout window, filling in for Longoria. Low T Chuck on paternity leave. Low so Scotty tea. Baker, the executive yeah. producer of Word on the Street, is screening your calls. Word on the Street is heard every when and when. At what time, Scotty? Saturday and Sunday night, 9 p.m. to midnight. I knew that. I just wanted to know if you knew that as the executive producer. Uh, We're going to continue to take your calls about what to do when schools are supposed to reopen coming up in just a little bit. Uh, My suggestion is for the folks that uh, can't stay home and have to go to work, maybe you set up little little house on the prairie schools, you know, six to eight kids and someone in the neighborhood, you know, handles the digital learning. And, and that way you can go to school. The kids can learn. There's someone there to help them through it. And and maybe we can patchwork our way through a solution here because I don't think there's one grand solution to make everything good. Uh, you know I'm a big mask believer, right? Yeah, you've always been pro-mask. Pro-mask. I am pro-mask. And uh, two two reasons why I'm, I'm what I don't like masks. One happened last night after the show. I was going into uh, the other side of the takeout window with, with Jason Byers and I sneezed with the mask on. Oh, that, oh, that's that the sucks. worst. That's that stinks. Yeah. That had never happened to me before. And now, we're, I, during the news break, I went out into the newsroom, and my nose was running, and I have the mask on. And my initial reaction oh, is to like use the use the mask to. And I was like, no, I can't do that. So I had to go to the break room, get a paper towel, take my mask off, like blow my nose, and then put my mask on. Still, still pro mask. 
But, Absolutely. But sneezing in the mask is kind of gross. That's why they're disposable, Exactly right. right. Yeah. Exactly right. All right, before I get back to the calls on the school system, uh, there's a beer can shortage. Scotty Baker, you are you seem like a guy that might throw back a frosty one once yeah, in a while. Yeah, you know. Do you know why there's a shortage of, of beer cans right now? I don't, but seeing as how we don't have change, I can guess that we won't have beer cans either. It's, it's because, it's interesting, so a majority of the beer that is consumed at bars is not out of cans. It's out of tap, tap. kegs. Yeah, we call them kegs. We're it's the from. tap. It's the tap from yeah, Michigan. The, yeah, but they get shipped into by kegs. Yeah, the yes. tap is connected to the keg. And since the bars have closed down, all the beer has been sitting in kegs and and not getting uh, consumed. So everyone instead of using the keg beer is going out and buying the canned beer. And stocking up, you know, we had the big run at the beginning of the pandemic and, and dudes were like, Chuck got like 19 cases of Bud Light or whatever. Oh, the ladies Absolutely. in the White Claw in my neighborhood. Oh, the White Claw. Oh, That's yeah, another reason. That so like, not only is there shortage of coins right now, but like the, the big Anheuser-Busch's of the world and the smaller, uh, like Sweetwater, they're having trouble getting enough cans to fill the beer. Coca-Cola's had the same issue. They've had to discontinue some of their less popular brands. Yeah. Because they have no cans to put them in. Does that, nobody recycle aluminum here? It still takes a minute to here. get it no. processed. That was a big deal out. when I was a kid. We would collect cans and that was get my money side hustle. Yeah. yeah, that's up north. That was my side hustle. I would. Uh, I'll tell you this story because I think the statute of limitations is is over now. <laughs> we used to drive around and um, just collect cans, and you'd go to the local supermarket, and they had a machine, and everyone you yep. threw in, you get a nickel. And oh, you had the can return. We had a can return. Yeah, we just got alum- money for aluminum. Yeah, no, this was, well, we were fancy in Connecticut. And so we'd go when, like, we would we would steal cans. Yep. There's, no, there's no doubt about it. Like, there was a package store that would put cans out on the back porch. Yep. We'd go and scoop them up. But the biggest score we ever had was at the hospital. Charlotte Hungerford Hospital. I probably shouldn't have said that on the air, just in case. That, <laughs> you snuck and, into a hospital? Well, I didn't sneak in because I, at the same time, I had a job. I was a, a bread delivery guy. Okay. So I would deliver rolls and donuts to the hospital. So I had access to the hospital. And you go in the delivery area and you take them to the, the, the commissary, the cafeteria. And along the side of the hall into the cafeteria were these monster plastic bags filled with soda cans. I don't know if you've ever been in the hospital. They don't give you the full can. They give you those little airline cans. Right. right. The, the, the little, little short pony. seven ounce. Yeah. So, and that's still a nickel. Nice. Oh, wow. So I would, again, I can't believe I'm admitting my, I thought I was doing God's work at the time, but I would deliver <laughs> right. the, the bread. And then as I'm walking out, I would just pick up a huge bag of these aluminum cans. And it was like doubled your money because yep. you get two things and no one ever said anything. Well, if they didn't say anything. I did it all summer. I guess if they didn't say anything, they're like, oh, what a nice boy. He's taking out the trash. Yeah, I was taking out the trash. Exactly right. So uh, hopefully that. uh, Will you you Google statute of limitations on stealing cans for me? Thank you, Deborah. Uh, Dorothy is in Cobb County. Dorothy, welcome to the show. How are you? Oh, hey, I didn't think I was going to get on. Well, you are Are on. The stage is yours already. (laughs) Well, this is my first time. Welcome aboard. Love the show. I try to listen every day. On the school issue, I, somebody may have already said this because I haven't been listening the whole show. Uh, why not divide up the days that children go? Like, like Group A goes on Mondays and Tuesdays, and Group B, and then Group B goes on Thursdays and Fridays. And when they're not in school, they do homeschool. That has been uh, that has been bandied about for sure, and doing it in even split shifts kind of thing, where an after a morning and an afternoon shift uh, to take right. care of that. So they can do both, and and math is easier. I heard a student say math was easier in person to learn in person. Do the easier, the harder courses to learn online. Do them in person mm-hmm. so that they can ask better questions, and then the. Other courses that might be a little easier to learn online, do those online. One of my friends had a great suggestion. Thanks for the call, Dottie. So, again, this, this the pandemic, the, the COVID-19 is so new. We, we really learn more about it every day. But so far, it seems that teenagers are, are more likely to spread it than little kids, right? So, like, elementary school kids. That seems kids. so weird, but I yeah. Know. That, again, again, that could change in a week. But right now, so my friend said... Well, have the middle schoolers and the high schoolers stay at home 
you know, if you're 13 years old, you could stay at home by yourself, right? Theoretically. Absolutely. And you're tech savvy enough. Yeah. And then have just have the elementary school kids go, you know, K through six and have them go to the actual schools and have the, the older students digital learn, which makes some sense to me. Then you can use the middle schools and high schools and put everybody in there and if, they'd be spread apart. Yeah. If that, if that is true, if that is truly the case that the teenagers, uh, 12 and up spread it more often than the kids that are five to 11. I, I again, it's so early in this, in the research of the, the coronavirus. Sharon is in Duluth, Duluth, Duluth is on fire. Sharon, welcome to the show. Hey, I actually work for Gwinnett County Public Schools, and I had I heard a listener say, hey, you know, what about all that money with the air conditioning not running? We, as teachers, we actually have to go into the, the classrooms and teach virtually at the schools every day. And so we're going to be there. And Did you do that? Have... Did you do that in the, in the spring? No, in the sp- spring, we were all digital. Gotcha. We were at home. At home. Uh, just because we were, we were thrown into this just like everybody else was. Um, but it is going to be a lot more structured starting in fall. And, you know, we have kiddos, too. I have kids in grade school. Yeah. So, you know, we're all in this boat together. Now, but is that we just are in, using our facilities. Shannon, is that in just Gwinnett County where uh, the, the teachers will actually be in the building? Or is that, do you know if that's metro-wide? I don't know if it's metro wide. I only know my county. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, how do you and, feel about that? Are you do you, are you anxious to get back? Oh, I'm dying to get back. Yeah. I can't wait to get back. And and it was for me. I miss my kids. Sure. Um, I miss the school. I really want to be back in the classroom with the kids. But you know, I'm on the elementary level, and you were talking about your mask, sneezing in your mask. Mm-hmm. Think about elementary kids. Oh, God, I mean, yeah. they're already they're already coming to me with snot noses <laughs> and throwing up in the classroom and here they are we're going to be throwing up in their mask and snotting all in their mask and they're going to be handing it to me saying hey i i need a new mask yeah so, that's that... you know and i teach a rotation class in elementary so i see all the students and it usually takes me about nine days to see 1400 students wow so if i am exposed to covid and with the regulations we have right now because of all the students, I see about 160 students a day, different students a day for nine days. You'd be a mass spreader. Mass spreader. Yeah. Let me we're ask you a question, Sharon. the school you, for you... quarantine, then what are we going to do if we're all in school and not have, you know, the digital learning? Sharon, so, you, said, you said you have uh, uh, kids, of school-age kids. When, yes. when you go back to the classroom, what are the kids going to do? Um, I am just fortunate enough that I have a husband that works from home. Oh, great. But most people don't have that. Yeah. Um, and I have a high schooler, but, you know, the high school, the structure, they're really not motivated. A lot yeah. of them are not motivated. Sure. But, um, but we would have to bring our kids with us and they'd be confined to our classroom. Um, so, and the school buses, as far as I know, and the cafeteria, they're going to be doing what they did in summer where they're going to be going to bus stops to deliver food and lunches. So the bus drivers will still be employed here in Gwinnett County. So everyone will still be um, there. Uh, let me ask you this question. Everybody will still be here. Uh, mm-hmm. Hypothetically, who is better at digital teaching, a 24-year-old teacher or a 72-year-old teacher? Uh, I plead the fifth on that one. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> that is the answer I needed. Thank you. Some some Zeke on Twitter's like, rah, 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 how can you dare say that the older teachers are not as good as? Uh, listen, I'm not I'm not as good as Jared Yamamoto at digital stuff. I'm 46. Yeah, the younger you are, the more apt you are to yeah, picking it up. Sometimes of you're older, like, well, this is how we did it, and this is how it's always worked. Yeah, that, that's just common sense that someone that's 24 is going to be better at online stuff than someone that's 72. I'm not saying they're a better teacher; they're just better. Pipe down, Zeke. Zeke, I love that word. Uh, We're going to come back, more of your calls. And then, after the news at 735, Never Have I Ever with Ross in Gainesville. 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. This is The Mark Aram Show. School should be starting up shortly, but delayed openings across Metro Atlanta. And what are we going to do? Digital? We're going to go in school? We need to come up with some solutions. That's where you come in. Laura is in Ackworth. Laura, welcome to The Mark Aram Show. Why are you? Hey, Laura, what's going on? I just want to say thank you for talking about Connecticut because I'm from Connecticut and it just brings back so many memories. Where in Connecticut are you from? Um, the Hartford area. All right. Very nice. The yeah. metro Hartford area. Yes. And I'm calling about the, the schools and how you said that the teacher signed up to be paid to die. But everybody else that's going into work didn't sign up to pay to die either. 
But they have to go in, and they're doing their job. Yeah, the difference is, though, uh, thank you, Laura, is that you can't bag groceries digitally. You can't stock the shelves digitally. You can teach digitally. There's, There's 5% of our staff is here at work. The rest has the opportunity to work at home digitally. If you have that opportunity in a pandemic, you use that. That's why we call the folks in the front line the essential workers, the folks that have to go out. You know, I'm not, you know, patting ourselves on the back here at the Mark Aram Show, but we're here every night. We are essential, even though we could do it digitally, which makes no sense to me. Um, yeah, I, I just think if 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 you can take away the chance of getting it by not going into work, then you you take advantage of that. And that's going to happen. From now on, if, if you are allowed to work from home, companies are going to let you work from home from now on. Linda is in Alpharetta. Linda, welcome to the show. Hi. Hey, Linda. So, years before COVID, my daughter went to a school that was kind of a non-traditional school, but I thought maybe the setup um, might be a good compromise now. So the school that she went to only taught the core subjects, math, science, a language, um, English. So there was no lunch, there was no clubs, there was no PE, there was no art, although those things are important. Music, but yeah. Music, but given the day where the day and age we're in right now, because of that, she only had to go to school from Monday through Thursday from 8.30 to 12.30. So it was really part-time. So Perhaps that would be a good compromise, and during that time, the kids and the teachers could wear masks, since instead of wearing them for seven or eight hours, they're only wearing them for three and a half hours. Hmm. So like a, 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 a slimmed-down schedule. That, But that, yeah, I mean, it, it would stink to lose, uh, oh, I, I hit that way too early. I'm sorry, Jason. I'm sorry about that, Linda. Yeah, uh, interesting. I have, to, I have to chew on that. How important are those other... Being exposed to that stuff is important because you don't know what's going to spark your interest. Sure. You know, maybe you think you're into this, but then you have a great teacher that shows yeah. you something else and all of a sudden you change your path. But maybe short term in a pandemic, sure. you pare down and just do the basics right there. Let me think. That's interesting. Michelle's incoming. Michelle, real quick, buddy, what do you have? Yes, um, I think they should ask which teachers would like to go to school because I personally want to be there mm-hmm. and would love to have my kids. And so if there was like one second grade teacher that wanted to be there and all the kids that needed to come to school because their parents need to work, maybe there'd be enough to fill a classroom and I could have my students there. I'm, you know, maybe some of us are willing to sign a waiver because we're in that young bracket and we want to be there and we want to work there. But that option wasn't given. I like that. So maybe something like that. Yeah. You know, hey, I can teach multiple grades. And, and maybe even, maybe, I mean, I, I know money's tight right now, but maybe say, hey, if you come to work in school, we'll give you five extra uh, vacation days or something like that, a little incentive to get the teachers. I don't know if I was a teacher, if I'd want to go back. That's, that's a tough time. It's This is, is a pandemic. All right, when we come back, hey, I need two contestants to play Never Have I Ever with Russ in Gainesville. Let's hit those phone lines. Uh, 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. Seven thirty six, eighty four degrees on Peachtree Street. Mark Aram and the Bananas with you till 8 in the p.m. Going to take your calls, uh, continue to take your calls about what we should do with the reopening or non-reopening of schools. It's a big local issue. We're going to continue to cover it here on the Mark Aram Show and, of course, on WSB Radio. Uh, Every county is a different story right now. We'll see how that plays out. We'll get back to your calls in just a second, but uh, I want to play Never Have I Ever with Russ in Gainesville. I've been everywhere, man. It's Never Have I Ever with Russ in Gainesville. Happy Friday, Russ. What's going on, buddy? Thanks a lot, Mark. Uh, My son, Chris... And his girlfriend, Caroline, are listening, so I wanted to say hi. Shout out to Chris and Carol, or Carolyn? I forgot what you said. Caroline. Caroline. All right. Uh, so basically, this is a very simple game. Um, we're going to ask you, uh, we're going to tell you something. For example, has Russ ever eaten an Egg McMuffin? And you have to guess whether or not Russ has eaten an Egg McMuffin. Have you eaten an Egg McMuffin, by the way, Russ? Had one yesterday. All right, fair enough. So there you go. Let's meet our contestants on the phone. Kelly is in Vinings. Kelly, tell the folks at home a little bit about yourself. Kelly? K-E-L-L-Y. Someone in Vinings on the phone right now. Hello? Yes. Hello. What is this? Hi, it's Carly. Carly. C-A-R-L-Y. Oh, sorry about that, Carly. Carly. 
You okay? Uh, <laughs> tell the folks a little bit about yourself, Carly. Uh, well, I live in Vinings. Um, I like making desserts, and I just got done hanging out with my best friend. Oh, what a great day! <laughs> What's your go-to dessert? Yeah. What you, if you were to bake me something? What would you bake me? Go-to dessert would probably be creme brulee. Ooh, all right, very nice. You're playing against Joseph in Marietta. Joseph, welcome to the show. Tell the folks at home a little bit about yourself. Hi, my name is Joseph. I'm from Cobb County. I've lived here for many, many years, and I just love life. Do you love creme brulee, though? I'll go with that yeah. answer, sir. Russ, do you like creme brulee? <laughs> what is it? Creme brulee. I don't know what that is. All right, fair enough. Um, <laughs> all right, so that would be a good one for Russ in Gainesville. All right, never have I ever. I'm going to I'm gonna say something. You just guys have to guess if Russ has ever done this thing. It's never have I ever with uh, Russ in Gainesville. All right, we'll start with you, Kelly. Ladies first. Has Russ in Gainesville ever let a dog lick his face? Has Russ in Gainesville ever let a dog lick his face? Yes. Russ, what about it? Have you ever let a dog lick your face? Well, I've had dogs lick my face. I didn't like it. All right, but, but it's yes. happened. It has happened. Yes. All right, so you get the point. Are you not a dog person, Russ? No, I mean, you know, I, I like my dogs, not anybody else's. All right, fair enough. No. Um, Joseph, never have ever with Russ in Gainesville. Has Russ ever been trapped in an elevator? Interesting. Has Russ ever been trapped in an elevator? Well, if he's from the woods or in the country, he probably never has. So I don't know what his geologics are, but I'm going to guess that he's never been locked up in an elevator. I like that thinking. Ross, ever been uh, stuck in an elevator? No, I've wished I had before, but it <laughs> has never happened. Why? Because there's a cute lady in the uh, in the elevator? At, at Teleport, Teleport, the Barbizon School of Modeling, I got in the elevator one day and there's about 10 models in there. Wow. All right. Fair yeah. enough. Uh, here we go. Never have I ever. Carly, has Russ ever re-gifted a gift where someone gives him a gift and then he gives it as a gift again? Has he ever re-gifted? Um, I'm going to go with yes. You say yes. Russ, you ever you ever re-gifted? Uh, I've, I've opened up gifts and wrapped them back up when I was like trying to find out what was at the Christmas tree. But you didn't but give it to someone it to anybody, else. But I opened my own gifts. Oh, all right. So Russ has never regifted. I'm a big regifter, by the way. I'm a big time. I'm a huge yep. regifter. Sorry, Carly, no point there. All right, Joseph. Never have I ever with Russ in Gainesville. Has Russ ever had an imaginary friend? Has Russ in Gainesville ever had an imaginary friend? Well, based on his last answer, hell yeah. <laughs> Russ, imaginary friend. <laughs> Yeah, sure, when I was a kid. Yeah, I think I did, too. I can't remember what that thing was. So, uh, good job. Joseph is acing this. Carly, you need this one to uh, tie it up. Has Russ in Gainesville ever chipped a tooth? Has Russ in Gainesville ever chipped a tooth? Um, I'm going to go with no. Okay. Russ, you ever chipped your tooth? Oh, uh, God, I, I broke my two front teeth when I was a kid. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and they told me they couldn't fix them until I was 18. I went my whole life oh. when I was a kid with two oh, broken front teeth. I'm sorry, yeah. Russ. All right, no point. I'm sorry for you too, Carly. I, that was a definite yes on my answer. All right, Joseph, okay. you can take a commanding lead here. Has Russ in Gainesville ever done a keg stand? Do you know what a keg stand is, Joseph? Uh, does it have anything to do with drinking beer? Yeah, it's when you uh, you get a keg of beer and, and they lift you up uh, by your legs and you... It's like you're drinking it upside down. You're almost. drinking at an upside down beer out of a keg. So that's a keg stand. Well, it really depends on how big and heavy this man is, but I'm going to take a wild guess and say no. Oh, I think you're wrong on this one. Russ, keg stand, yes or no? Well, I'll tell you the truth, Mark, I don't drink beer. Oh, so, so you've never done a keg stand. No. Oh, wow. Joseph, this might be uh, Russ's long-lost soulmate, Joseph. <laughs> All right, Carly, you need this one to stay in the game. Russ in Gainesville, never have I ever. Has Russ in Gainesville ever dipped, double-dipped a chip? Where he takes a chip, puts it in the dip, bites it, and then puts it back in the dip. <laughs> Carly? It's not that hard, Carly. All right, she she quit the game. I'll give it to you, Joseph. Uh, has Russ ever double dipped a chip? You're saying basically has he ever regurgitated a chip to dip on it? No, no. Like a big, let's take a big uh, potato chip. He takes he takes it and dips it in the dip. Takes a bite. There's still some potato chip left in his hand, and then he dips it back in the dip. That's a slight question, but I'm going to go yes with that one, especially if the dip is good. <laughs> Russ, you ever double dipped a chip? 
No, I don't do that. I put the whole chip in my mouth. Oh, very nice. All right. Oh, well, you win by default, Joseph, because Carly gave up. Congratulations winning the Friday edition of uh, Never Have I Ever with Russ in Gainesville. Well done, Joseph. You you really aced that game, buddy. Appreciate it, buddy. You all stay well. You too. Have a great weekend. Thanks, Joseph. Russ, great job as always. Uh, shout out to your uh, son again and his girlfriend. Uh, Chris and Caroline. All Thanks right. for listening. Thanks for listening, Chris and Caroline. Russ, have a good weekend, buddy. Thanks, Mark. Thanks Take a lot. Take care, buddy. I don't know about you, but I freaking love that game. I love Joseph. He was great. He did a really good job. Yeah. He Again, had, if you have any questions, send them my way. Yeah, he attacked it like a scientist. <laughs> I love that. He was like, we went deep on that. Didn't I never heard of double dipping the chip before, though. I assumed everybody knew what that yeah. was. Yeah, I hate yep. double dippers, by the way. I, for the record, I've never double dipped a chip or anything into a dip. Uh, Nancy is in Conyers. Nancy, thanks for hanging on. Welcome to the Mark Aram Show. Hey, Mark. How are you? Excellent. How are um, you? Good, good, good. Just got off work. This was a long week. I'm an essential worker. I'm a nurse, um, and I am tired. 65 hours today. Bless your so, heart. Thank you for doing all that you do, by the way. You are so welcome. Now, you stole my idea. I've been saying it for about a month that the kids, the smaller kids, need to go to school. Mm -hmm. Now, I also want to expand on that. I think they should open all the schools, the high school, the middle schools, and the elementary, and just farm them out. Then you won't have to worry about furloughing teachers. Matter of fact, you might need to get more teachers mm -hmm. and just have a smaller group of kids in every classroom that a county has. But the ninth to the twelfth, they're getting ready for college, so they need to be on uh, digital learning. Okay. Now the problem is, and I think, listen, more teachers would be great. I know there's teachers that have thirty, thirty-five kids in a classroom. That's just too many. But we don't have the money to pay for it. We barely have the money to pay for the teachers we have now, especially if we're going to see a thirteen percent budget cut across the board in uh, in all government spending. Rhonda joins us on the Friday. How are you, Rhonda? Mark, how are you? Uh, I was wondering if I was going to hear from you today. I'm very happy you called in, so thank you. Yeah, I am uh, just wondering with uh, some of the schools going to the digital learning, does that mean that we're going to get a tax break for school taxes? I don't think so, because we talked about this earlier. You're, like The teachers are still going to be teaching, so you still got to pay them. And a lady from Gwinnett County called. She actually has to go into the school to do the digital learning now in the fall, where I thought they might be able to save on air conditioning and heating, but they will actually be at the school doing the digital learning. So I don't see anyone getting a tax break out of this. Yeah, well, figures does that. Well, yeah, I mean, listen, as someone without kids paying a lot of taxes for schools i get it but that's just the way that's just the way the world works right now yeah same thing for the elderly you know they still have to pay school tax or at least in the county that i live in i think it's some in some counties you can opt out of that eventually right you reach a certain age like if you're if you're 70 and you're not going to have kids i think i might be totally off base on this but i remember hearing something like that where you can opt out of school taxes at a certain age i'll have to check on that my parents are in their early 80s yeah, they should be able to opt out, Deborah. 62. 62, all right, yeah. so there you so go. Like tell retirement age, probably. Yeah, there you go, Rhonda. You can tell them to opt out of those right. pesky school tax. Look, and I want 5% or whatever they save. And I'll take That's one. Right. And Deborah, Deborah Green wants 1%. Thank you so much for calling. Jason's in uh, the Rica Avila. Jason, welcome to the show. How are you, buddy? Good evening. Hey, I just wanted to cover this uh, teenager high school kids. Okay. I assure you, there's no social distancing going on with these kids. In any, <laughs> in any grade. Oh, no. Oh, yeah. goodness. Uh, well, I'm saying I've got a 17-year-old, and him and his crew have been to Florida every weekend. I've got eight teenagers in my house. And, no, they're, they're sending them back to school, for God's sake. That's, uh, well, they, they definitely are out partying. Well, uh, we did that. We heard the numbers this morning on Atlanta's Morning News with Scott Slade that the, the hugest rise in COVID cases are for t kids between 18 and 24. Like, that is the massive spike right now is that age bracket where you're right, Jason. That's the invincible age. Yeah, and thankfully the mortality rate is is a lot lower for that that age group. But yeah, you're right. Those kids are not social distancing at all right now. No, I think I already had it when they went to Florida. So, you know, I sent them back to school. Yeah. All right. Appreciate it, Jason. Thanks, buddy. Uh, one segment to go on a Friday. There's something else I want to talk about. Oh, two of the Braves catchers. Triple team traffic alert from the WSB 24-hour traffic. Hey. 
Easy January. Easy. Not tested positive, but symptoms, They have symptoms, right? yeah. so they, they, they put him on the injured reserve list and um, didn't travel with the team. So it, I just wanted to mention that. Braves lost today, by the way, in their home opener, one to nothing. Uh, we'll come back. Linda and Pat will join us. It's 748. 748 right now on the Mark Aram Show. 748 on 95.5 WSB Atlantis News and Talk. 754. Tip of the hat, by the way, to uh, Jason Byers and Scotty Baker. Scotty B, who filled in admirably for uh, Longoria and Loti. Do we know if they're back next week? I know I am not. Okay. I think Longoria's back sure from vacation. I'm Andrew's back. I'm not sure about Charlie. Have you heard anything from that, uh, Scotty B? Is no, I haven't heard anything as of yet. All right. Loti is uh, on paternity leave. This was his second week, right? You get two weeks? Yeah, yep, I think he said he only got ten days, but then if he needed to, he was going to burn through vacation days. Okay. So that's All why right. we haven't I should. I could probably just text him and get an answer. Yeah, that would work. Yeah, that that, would work. Yeah, that would work too. Uh, Linda's in Coweta County. Linda, welcome to the Mark Aram Show. Hi, thanks for taking my call. My pleasure. um, One concern I have, I want to preface by saying, I'm not against anyone who wishes to wear masks if it makes them feel better. But there's a whole population, not just children, and there are adults who have asthma, and just going in the store, put a mask on, I'm hypoxic before I can get a few aisles over. So you have children, they're going to school, and in many cases their asthma is, is pretty severe. You put a mask on them, what's going to happen? And I don't know that anybody has even addressed this, even children out in the public having to go into anywhere, much less school, and having to put a mask when they're already having restrictions, you know, restrictions in their air without having to add to it. Duly, I, mean, I don't think anybody's really looking at that. Yeah, duly noted, my friend. That is interesting. Uh, the breathing problems. Asthma is a big problem with kids these days. Pat is in Woodstock. Pat, welcome to the Mark Aram Show. Oh, hey, Mark. Hey, I've got a, um, information for you about the um, tax relief for seniors. Yeah, um, please. Paying, yeah, in Cherokee County, it's at sixty-two, and that you can not you can stop paying. Not forty-six. Yeah. <laughs> no, not. <laughs> No, not for sorry. Oh, okay. You've got quite a while. But yeah, and, and you apply for it and it's wonderful because it's it's almost half of my tax. It's in Cherokee. Oh yeah, no so kidding. Uh huh. Oh yeah. For my property tax. Yes, absolutely. All right. So it's, I have something to look forward mm-hmm. to when I turn sixty two. Yes, and I wonder if you'll have children. I think it would be a blessing. You'll be a wonderful father. We're gonna we're gonna give it a shot for sure. Um at sixty two. Hmm. 62. All right. right. Now, do you have to, you have to, it doesn't automatically happen though. You have to go through a process of some sort. Well, yeah, you just apply. Okay. And then they check to see where you live and all that kind of stuff and, and, and make sure you're, you send your driver's license on it to prove your age. And then I have a feeling that some smaller counties may not be able to afford to do that. Maybe that's why some of the smaller counties, the seniors still have to help. Gotcha. Great information, Pat. Thank you so much. Be safe. Have a great weekend. Star of the show. And now, are you guys ready for the Mark Aram star of the show? The lovely, the talented Cheryl Castro. Help me with some uh, pre-show research. Good job, Cheryl. And plus, it's Friday. Every time we used to see Cheryl, it means it's Friday. It's always a good time. She's a fine news broadcaster. Uh, we will continue the conversation on Twitter and Instagram at Mark Aram. Facebook, Mark Aram WSB. Full line of good stuff coming up next week. Be safe, wear a mask, floss your teeth. In the meantime, go to sleep, little baby. Go to sleep, you little baby. Guests of the Mark Aram Show stay at the All Sweet Omni Hotel, located in the heart of Chicago's Magnificent Mile. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.